This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to the Keeping Carlson Podcast, the best fantasy hockey podcast hosted by two guys who own Eric Carlson in their keeper pools. Today is episode three. We're recording on Sunday, October 20th, and I'm Elon Dubrowski, joined by my co-host, Brian Calm. Hi, everybody. All right, Brian. So big week this week. This is the week we're going to mention the show on, on Reddit and things like that. This is it. We're going public, like an IPO with zero. Oh, my goodness. I hope it, I hope it goes well. Only time will tell. Yeah, well, we have lots of players to talk about, lots of people I personally want to ask you about for my selfish interests, but uh, let's get started by talking about our weeks. How'd your team do this week? I think I'm actually going to lose this week. I started the week by panicking that Devin Dubnik, who was my first overall pick and very important uh, number one goalie was going to be traded or replaced and end up in a lesser role really quick after his terrible start. So the next day, I ended up dropping Dan Girardi and picked up Jason LaBarbera. And that decision to pick up and play LaBarbera single-handedly cost me two goalie categories in this week's matchup. Yeah, that's wild. Like, Edmonton's doing so bad, so you picked up one of Edmonton's goalies. I was just worried... There really weren't any other goalies available, and, and when my goalie's faltering, I need to make sure I've got someone, because saves are a stat in the league, and so are wins. I need to make sure I have an active goalie playing. Varlamov's my other one, but in case he gets injured, generally you want two number ones on your roster. So Dubnik was my other one. I thought something drastic was about to happen. Everybody in Edmonton was panicking, so I guess so did I. And by the end of this week... Uh, I guess I realized that I, I was a little premature. Dubnik has put up a win this week with the goals against of just over two. He's made 72 saves and a 947 save percentage. So it's safe to say he's back on track, but LaBarbera covered, you know, ruining my goalie stats for me this week. Uh-huh. Save percentage of 854 and a goals against above three and a half goals per game. Oh, sorry to hear that, Brian. Thanks, Elon. I appreciate your sympathy. <laughs> and what about your forwards, though? What about all those other categories? So my forwards have been doing a really good job of putting the puck on net, but they haven't really been getting too many in the goal itself. Tyler Sagan had 12 shots on goal for me this week, and I creamed the other guy in shots on goal. I had almost 30 more shots over the course of the week than he did. But, for example, I have Alex Kalorn on Tampa, 10, 10 shots, no goals. Blake Wheeler, 7 shots, no goals. Eric Carlson, 8 shots, 1 goal. That's actually pretty good. Patrick Kane, 11 shots, no goals. 
P.A. Parento, seven shots, no goals. Clark MacArthur, eight shots, no goals. So you, wow. so you see what happened. I have like a really potent offensive lineup. Last week, they were dominant. I guess the shots were going in. This week, just six goals on 107 shots total. Yeah, it's hard to win the goals category with a shooting percentage like that. I was really counting on Mike Richards and Jordan Stahl and maybe even Brandon Dubinsky to carry me through those categories, but they really haven't delivered. And meanwhile, the guy I'm playing against has, you know, Julian Demers on the San Jose Sharks has two assists. Dave Boland has two assists this week. Nicholas Backstrom, of course, has four. I can't keep up with that. Matt Molson has three. Usually he just scores goals. So things just really didn't go my way this week. Sounds like it's not the kind of thing where you need to panic then. Maybe on the goalie front you do, but it sounds like it's just your players um, just didn't have good bounces this week and you should be okay next time. I'm just going to hang in there for now. I think I'm going to stand pat. How about you? How did how did your week go? I've been having a pretty good week, actually. So I'm killing it in goals. I'm the opposite of you. Too bad we're not in the same league because we can make a trade because I could use assists right now. But uh, goals, I'm really killing it. So I, I won my goal category. Well, there's still today left, but there's only a couple of games. But yeah, I'm winning 13-3. to So Henrik Zetterberg, who's one of my top keepers, you know, he's just on fire right now. He got two goals and three assists just this week. Yet Joe Pavelski yesterday had a huge night, two goals and two assists against Calgary. So he's probably one of the hottest players in the league right now. Actually, I want to ask you, do you think Joe Pavelski and also, I guess, Patrick Marlowe, the San Jose Sharks in general, like, are these guys going to keep up this high scoring? Because I recall this happening last year. Yeah, the same thing did happen last year. And then the Sharks, they were still good for the rest of the season, but they weren't flawless as they have been now. I mean, you can expect if you want to keep up our PDO discussions from last week. And again, for those who weren't listening or don't quite know what PDO is, it's sort of a measure of how sustainable a player's pace is, whether they're playing better than they should be or worse than they should be. The idea is that they'll all regress to the mean. And so you can judge whether or not they're playing above the mean or below the mean. And by that, you can figure out if they're going to get better, get worse, or keep it up. So if you take a look at the Sharks PDO, I'm just going to read out the the Sharks leaders in PDO are Justin Braun, Mark Edward Vlasic, Logan Couture, Tyler Kennedy, and Patrick Marlowe. They're all above 110. 100 is the norm. 110 to 120 are fairly high. Nobody is below 100 PDO on the Sharks. So I guess they're not going to keep it up all season. Patrick Marlowe is consistently in the 70 to 80 point range. The last couple seasons, maybe he's been more of a a 65 point player. He's not going to keep up his 113 point pace. (laughs) No, you don't think so? Safe to say. (laughs) So yeah, as good as I've been doing in goals, though, I have actually been lacking in assists a little bit. Like I'm still, I'm losing my week in assists, which is disappointing because I think that overall my team could have beaten my opponent, I have a couple of players who just have really dropped off completely. I actually wanted to ask you about one in particular, Mikhail Grabowski, who made me feel like a genius when I drafted him with one of my last picks in the pool and then started the season with a hat trick, has virtually disappeared this week. Like, What can you tell me about Grabowski? Should I hold on to him or should I just give up? So you said, yeah, he had a hat trick in his first game. He hasn't scored a goal since. He has only one point in his last six games. Nine shots in his last seven games played. His ice time is decreasing. His power play time is practically nil on the the last Saturday night game. 
I'd like to say that the silver lining is that he's still playing on the second line, but last game he was replaced by Martin Erat, which isn't the most promising sign, especially because Erat had a good game in that spot. And I think even second line would be sort of disappointing for Grabowski. A lot of people were thinking he'd be on the first, but Marcus Johansson has sort of taken the reins in that spot. So you're thinking it's time to sell on Grabowski. I don't even think I could get anyone to buy, but I guess I could drop him. Well, that's it. You could sell. They sell low. I wouldn't sell on him, though. I mean, he's really well regarded in terms of his playing. He's still adjusting to a new team. I'd give him another week or two. Just to see if he could crack one of the top two lines again? Yeah, you have to think that playing on the third line wasn't the reason they brought him in. And if you look at the ice time era was getting at the start of the year, he wasn't. He was barely playing 10 minutes a game. So I, I don't think their fortunes have totally switched in one game. I'd give the situation a little more time to play itself out. All right, it's hard. It's hard, but I'll try. So what about moves? Like, did you make any moves this week, Brian, with your team? Aside from picking up Jason LaBarbera and screwing yourself out of the goalie category? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I did more than screw myself out of the goalie categories. I cut bait on David DeHarnay, who has done nothing. Of course, he got an assist the next game, but since then, he's still done nothing. So it turned out to be the right decision, and I picked up Andre Sekera. I liked his power play time. He's got shots on goal, plenty of them, and he's also blocking a lot of shots. I have a feeling even a lot of active fantasy hockey people don't even know who Andre Sekera is. I hadn't heard of him before this season. So he's on Carolina. He's on Carolina. I think he caught most people's attention. I think it was last year he went on a bit of a streak, on a point streak that really shouldn't have happened. It was the first really meaningful production he had ever put forth in his career. So it was sort of out of character. And I think he fell off everyone's radars. But at this point, I like him. He's my fourth defenseman. He has three points in nine games. One of them's on the power play. He's playing with Justin Falk on the Hurricanes' first D pairing, right? Yeah, actually, it's funny you mentioned Sekera because I also picked him up last week. So I've been following him closely. Sekera played 28 minutes uh, yesterday. So no points, unfortunately. No shots. So it's something that concerns me a little bit. But at the same time, yeah, playing half the game and he had you know, one of the highest power play times on his team. You'd have to imagine that's going to turn into at least some production. Hopefully. It's a role he's never really gotten to play until that that little streak he had last year. I like him at least, even if not for putting up points. He's pointless in four games. But in my league, as as my depth defenseman, while Roman Josie heals, uh, he does a good job. He's got 14 shots on goal this year and 21 blocked shots. He gets two or three a game, which for me is really valuable. This week, I also picked up Mike Fisher, who promptly was put on day-to-day injury status. Actually, Brian, what I read about Mike Fisher is not that he's injured, but he just sat for a game. On Rotowire, it said Fisher's not expected to play Saturday against the Canadians. And then their spin is there's nothing wrong with him, but the day-to-day bumps and bruises one gets in this game. Yet the coaches want to give the 33-year-old center a day off to rest. So it seems like just... 33 is the new 43, Mike <laughs> Fisher. Yeah, yeah. But that's to be expected. He He's not really known for his durability back when his time. I remember when he was on Ottawa, like he was the guy who'd get injured while on the bench, like pucks in the face and whatever. <laughs> but in Nashville, he's playing with Colin Wilson and Patrick Hornquist, which essentially puts him on like the only really 
offensive line on the team. He gets top power play time. Guys I would have rather picked up include Chris Versteeg and Matthew Perot and Mike Santorelli and Tyler Ennis. But all of the, those guys had been taken, and I totally regret letting LaBarbera take up the roster spot that I could have used for them. So Mike Fisher was kind of the only guy left. And those are all the moves I made. Oh, I was offered a trade when I was panicking about Dubnik. I was offered Tim Thomas for Devin Dubnik straight up. You already could figure out what I did, but what would you do? Yeah, that's a tough one. Just, you know, Tim Thomas obviously is a much bigger name. I'm pretty sure that Tim Thomas has a better chance of making it to the Hall of Fame one day than Devin Dubnik. But at the same time, you know, he hasn't played for a year. And then even this year when he came back on Florida, he got injured. But, you know, I think maybe you might have dropped the ball. I hate to say, like, I think Florida's a better team than Edmonton. And since you already have another keeper goalie, I assume in Varlamov, probably would have gone with Thomas. And he's had a good week this week. He had a good week this week, but so did Dubnik. And I agree with you on almost all of that. Thomas took last year off. He's old. He was injured with his groin, which has been an ongoing problem. I think where we really differ is I think Florida is is a bottom three team for sure this this year. And I think Edmonton is a borderline playoff team. And that was the the difference maker for me. Neither of them have especially strong defense, but I have more faith in Edmonton than I do in Florida and in Dubnik being young and athletic and having played last year as opposed to Tim Thomas. Too many question marks for me. So it could go either way in the long run, but I'm okay. I I rejected the trade. Mm -hmm. Yeah, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, now that you're saying that, it does seem like the smart move. And also, you never know what could happen. Like, maybe you will end up deciding to keep Dubnik over Varlamov at the end of the year. It's not like a slam dunk thing. Like, a lot could happen. So maybe it was smart to just hold on to Dubnik and just hope that he doesn't shit the bed like he did for you a couple weeks ago. Well, this week, Dubnik's numbers were significantly better than Varlamov. So really, I expect all year they're both going to be pretty inconsistent, but I hope at least one of them delivers. And I picked Dubnik with the intention of making him my long-term keeper. How about you? Did you any any ad, ads or drops on your end this year for the for the Toronto Chalupa Batmans? Uh. Yeah, well, so last week I finally, we talked about it last week, how I was wondering what's happening with Danny Heatley. I finally just decided to use my itchy trigger finger to drop him. And I picked up Martin Hansel, who we also talked about last week. And so far, it seems like a good pickup. In the last couple of games, he's got a goal and assist, four shots in each game. So, so far, I'm happy about that. What do you think? I didn't even ask you for advice, Brian, because you were out of town. I think, I don't know. It's really hard to say. I think we talked about it last week. Heatley's name still carries something, but he seems to really be declining quickly. And Hansel sometimes doesn't stay healthy for too long. It's really hard to say. I think it might be a wash. Like, it might be an, an even sort of lateral move. Yeah, maybe. At least for this week, it has it has benefited me, though Heatley did get an assist yesterday. But also, I was looking at the playing time. Heatley is going down a lot, and I don't like having third-line guys on my team if I could help it. So moving on to another player who hasn't been doing anything this year, and I'm wondering if they should also get the yank like I did to Danny Heatley. I'm really concerned about Alex Goligoski. I picked him with a pretty high defensive pick, relatively, and I thought he would be a solid you know, 30-40 point defenseman. So far he has zero points. What's going on with him? Make me feel better. I don't know if I can make you feel better about Alex Goligoski, and and I remember you emailed me and you quoted by saying he is sucking big time. (laughs) (laughs) And and I guess he is. Well, he's tied with James Neal, putting up no points in seven games 
except James Neal is injured and hasn't played any of those seven games. So that's sort of embarrassing. He's a minus seven, not really any good peripheral stats either. He has 11 shots on goal, five block shots. So my working theory is that he's playing with Sergei Gonchar this year, who's also been pretty disappointing. But last year, he spent time with two other guys, Trevor Daly and Brendan Dillon, who at least Trevor Daly is known for being more defensively responsible. And I wonder if that's the reason why Goligoski hasn't shown much in the way of offense. He's not as free. We know from Gonchar's time in Ottawa that he isn't really the most defensively responsible player. And when he's on the ice, you need to be a little more careful about the other team having odd men rushes. Goligoski's possession numbers overall are weak. Before the lockout, he had a subpar year also for someone who's labeled an offensive defenseman. I kind of just think you're stuck with him for now. I don't think that you could move him, and I don't think that you should drop him yet. Of course, it depends on who else is available, but I think in most leagues, the replacement options aren't really much better than him. So you just kind of have to ride him out. I mean, the one promising thing is he's still getting good ice time relatively. Like in the past three games, two of them, he's played over 20 minutes. So it's something, but it's not much. I could use as an assist. Yeah, I guess your really best option for him is to maybe look for another struggling defenseman on another team who you believe a little more in and try and swap with whoever owns that guy. There is actually a guy in my league with Kimo Timonen who's done nothing all season and just got injured. I wonder if he's like a reasonable person to try to go after. Maybe not with Goligoski, but with somebody. Okay, so looking up Kimo Timonen, I see he's got a lower body injury. He's projected to practice on Monday. No points in a minus two rating, which actually sounds pretty good for the way the Flyers are playing lately. And that's sort of a team-wide problem. Dallas has actually been playing pretty well. And Goligoski hasn't been doing that much. Meanwhile, the Flyers haven't been doing very well at all. Timonen has more shots on goal. He has more blocked shots. His plus minus isn't as bad. So maybe it's worth it to you to to look into doing that because you have to figure Philadelphia is going to start scoring goals at some point. And when they do, he's going to be picking up points on them. I I doubt that I'm going to be able to get Timonen for Alex Goligoski. The guy would have to be pretty dumb, I think especially the way Alex Goligoski is playing well. Maybe if like I could get one good game out of Goligoski, give me like a two or three assist game, then I can make that move. One defenseman who I'm really interested in that I don't know if he's worth dropping Goligoski for, but someone I picked up is Jonas Broden, who's playing even strength minutes on the Wilds top pairing alongside Ryan Suter. So he's getting more than 25 minutes each game, but not a ton of it is coming on the power play. I think the power play minutes could come, but the Wild right now, they have four forwards on the power play, and the, the, the defensemen on the are Suter or Jared Spurgeon. Nevertheless, Broden has still managed six points in nine games. Three of those have come on the power play, even though he's not seeing a ton of time on it. And he's someone, if you are looking for another defenseman, he came on strong last year as a defensive defenseman, and this year he's showing that he might have a little offense in him as well. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned Broden. Like, I'm surprised that you say he's available in your league since it's such a deep league. He's definitely not available in mine. I picked him up a week ago, so he probably wouldn't be available today. But I'm surprised he's not available in yours. I thought he was really sort of hidden. Yeah, I guess he had a good start to the season and someone picked him up. 
All right, so who else do you've got on your list of people who you think people should be keeping their eye out for? Well, here's two players that had a big week. I think Daniel Alfredson deserves a mention. He's 41 years old with a new team, nine points in nine games. Eight of them are assists, and I guess that'll happen when you're playing with Pavel Datsuk and Henrik Zetterberg. If you're an Alfredson owner, though, keep in mind that while Alfie was a point-per-game player for about 10 years, He's been producing at only half that rate for the last three seasons. He's only getting older. He's probably going to start strong. He's probably not going to finish as strong as he started. Another player who's probably not going to sustain what he's doing right now is Alexander Steen, the talk of the hockey world. You might say he's the new Thomas Hurdle. (laughs) He's got seven goals on 20 shots, so that's a 35% success rate, 11 points in seven games. I mean, it it looks like the Blues mean business this year, but consider that Steen's value is probably right around its peak today. If you're in first place in your league and you're cruising, then good for you. Keep him, hang on to him, sure. But if you're in the middle of your standings and you're a couple of pieces away from really contending, you might want to see what you can get for him. Maybe you can get a couple pieces that will put you in contention. Keep in mind that over half of his goals and almost all of his assists have come against Winnipeg, New York Rangers, and the Florida Panthers. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and what, what those three teams have in common is some serious defense and goaltending issues early in the year. I think you can still expect probably 20 or 25 goals and 50, 60 points from him, but maybe somebody else is expecting him to put up a greater pace, and maybe you can trade him for two 20-goal scorers and get value in return for him while he's still hot, because... I really don't think that this will continue for the rest of the season. Mm -hmm. There's also some players in the league right now who aren't doing that that well that you might be able to, you know, buy low on for someone like Steen. Like, I've noticed Ryan Getzlaff is off to a bit of a slow start. I think that would be a pretty good move, right? Trading Steen for Getzlaff? Well, Getzlaff has five points in seven games this year, so I don't really think that that would be a buy low opportunity when he's almost got a point a game. You don't think that there'd be some owner that would rather have Steen, who has 11 points, over Getzlaff, who has five? There might be, and if you can find him, then take advantage, sure. Okay. I was just throwing out a name. I'm trying to think, you know, when you say... I find oftentimes people say, oh, this guy's a really good sell-high opportunity, but I'd like to know, who's someone you think I should try to sell him for? Okay, well, here's one. Phil Kessel... That might oh, be a, good luck. Well, that might be a stretch because I feel like Kessel is usually owned by a Maple Leafs fan who really clings to him. But he has only two goals in nine games. He has none in his last four. So if you can find someone who thinks, oh, Kessel just signed a big eight-year contract. He doesn't have it anymore. He's finished. Bozak isn't a good center for him. And jump on that. Steen for Kessel. That's a huge win, but really unlikely. Yeah, exactly. All right, so I have a couple people, Brian, in my free agent pool that I'm very interested in, and I'm curious to know what you think. I'm pretty sure you're going to say, oh, they're just hot right now, so I just need to get these out of the way. Okay. Okay, so the first one is Kyle Ocposo on the New York Islanders. He's jumped up from, I think at the beginning of this week, he was like 2% or 3% owned in ESPN, and now he's at 38 and climbing. He's had a huge week. He's getting tons of points. He's playing on the top line. Is now the time to snag Ocposo, or do you expect him to go back to being nothing? Well, I mean, it always depends who you're dropping for him, but I think it's been a while since he's been nothing. Two years ago, he scored 24 goals and had 45 points. 
last year he was on pace for about 50 points in the season, only four goals. So that's not promising, but he's already got three this year. So I think he's actually a really good fantasy option, especially because he seems to have sort of finally grown into the role that the Islanders have wanted him to play in and is seeing first line time. Yeah, with John Tavares definitely doesn't hurt. Yeah, anyone playing on a line with John Tavares or Steven Stamkos, those guys are, are good guys to have on your team. Another one who's really jumped out at me is Rich Peverly on Dallas. He seems to be playing with Ben and Sagan. He got two points yesterday. What do you think about him? He's someone I think more so than Ocposo. He'll go as far as his line mates take him. So I think the moment he's taken off the top line, he'll start having some difficulty again. I mean, a couple of years ago, he had a pretty good year, 42 points in 57 games with Boston. Last year, not as good during the lockout shortened season. Off to a good start, worth keeping an eye on. To be honest, it depends on who you might give up for him. I guess pretty much Grabowski at this point is the one that I'm considering, like I mentioned before. Yeah, I'd give Grabowski more time, for sure. And Rich Peverly isn't as sexy a name as Grabowski, so I think chances are he'll last longer on the free agent wire. I think when it all shakes out, Grabowski will probably have at least as good a season, if not better, than Peverly. But what about Ocposo? That's a tough call. Yeah, I think Ocposo is definitely worth a look if there's anyone you're down on in your lineup. Grubowski, I wouldn't give up yet. All right, so I guess, you know, we've talked about a lot of players this week. Hopefully our listeners have enjoyed. Brian, before we go, do you have any other players you want to mention who people should keep an eye out for? Sure. Well, you mentioned Kyle Ocposo playing on the first line in New York. Ryan Malone is playing on the first line in Tampa. He tends to be streaky. But he's playing with Samkos in St. Louis right now. He's on the first power play unit. He's got a goal and three assists in eight games so far. Worth keeping an eye on. Craig Smith only owned in 3% of Yahoo leagues. For good reason, probably. He had 29 points in his first 48 games as an NHLer. And then he just disappeared for the rest of that year and most of last season, too. He's showing signs of life again, a goal and four assists in eight games so far, including a three-game point streak. They're gone in my league, but there are still a couple guys available that I'm considering picking up. The most interesting one to me is probably Michael Granlund of the Minnesota Wild. By all accounts, a future NHL star. He has four assists in nine games so far. He's playing on the second line with Heatley and Pominville, getting about 16 minutes a night and a decent chunk of power play time. With him, I feel like it's only a matter of time before he gets going, and this will probably be the last season where you'll find him as a free agent at this point of the year. He's the kind of guy I feel like if I don't pick him up now, I'll miss my chance, but I'm kind of waiting for the right moment, which of course will be about 48 hours after someone else takes him off the wire. Okay, so that's going to do it for another week of Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast. If you have your own questions about your fantasy hockey teams, feel free to either email us at keepingcarlson at gmail.com or you can message us on Twitter at keepingcarlson. And then you can also check out our website, keepingcarlson.podbean.com. Thanks, Brian. I think this was a really good episode. Yeah, and hopefully we'll keep improving. I would say right now our PDO, our podcast PDO is maybe at about 95 and we can still progress to the mean. All right. Well, that's good to know. Listeners, buy low now on the Keeping Carlson podcast. Quick note before I stop recording, I want to give a shout out to Pat Roach, who put together the theme music for the show. I think it's really awesome. So thanks, Pat, for that. And we'll catch you all next week. Bye-bye.